I'd like to begin this evening by reading my scripture, which is just three verses. It's 1 John 3, verses 16 through 18. Not John 3, verse 16, but 1 John. Not the Gospel of John, but the first letter of John. Of course, John 3, verse 16 is such a great verse, one of the greatest in the Bible. But this is a fantastic verse, too. 1 John 3, verses 16 through 18. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Can you think for a moment on this Monday, Thursday evening of the person who loves you the most? Think not just of a person who may have declared their love for you, but the person who has demonstrated that love with self sacrificing action. Maybe you'll think of, and not just once or twice, but consistently, all the time. Maybe you think of your mother or your father, or maybe another sibling or a child, or maybe a close friend. Before Lewis Meads passed away, he was a world-famous, award-winning author who served as a professor at, Calvin, at Fuller Seminary. And he wrote about his mother's love. And he said his mother's love was a blend of caring and consistency. And he lived in Los Angeles, where Fuller Seminary is. And he said the slogan of the Los Angeles Times is, we are there for you every day. And it was. And so Lewis Meads got the Los Angeles Times every single morning. But he never met the person who delivered the newspaper. And so he said the newspaper was there consistently every day. But he didn't know whether that person who delivered it cared about him. And so it was consistency without care. Caring is more personal. Maybe you have people who care about you, and they listen to your troubles, and they sympathize with you in a time of need. And they say, well, I'll call you, and we'll get together sometime, and we'll do lunch. And they never call. And that's caring without consistency. Well, there are a lot of things that can be said about love. 1 Corinthians 13 is a whole chapter about love. The Apostle Paul tells us what love is in that chapter. But Smeeds mentions two things about love. It's caring, and it's consistency, and it's very costly. That's the kind of love that ought to be in a good marriage. In one way or another, when brides and grooms are joined in marriage, they say, I love you, and I will always be there for you, in sickness and in health in good times and in bad. So Smeeds writes about his mother. She was an immigrant to Muskegon from the Netherlands, and she was, came from Friesland with her husband. But after 11 years, her husband passed away and left her with five children, with no money, with no job skill, with very limited use of the English language. And she supported her family 
by working as a cleaning woman. But when Smead's mother was 86 years old and was dying in a Muskegon hospital, Smeads asked her, why did you never remarry? You were an attractive woman. Wouldn't you have wanted a man to love you and to help you? And she said, I thought about that. But what if the man that I married didn't love my children and I cared about them too much to take the risk? She loved her children and she demonstrated that love with care and consistently. She loved them and she was there for them all the time. Well, I began by asking you if you could think of a person who loved you the most. Let me turn the question around. Can you think of a person that you love the most? A person that you would give a kidney for? Or maybe a person that you would give a, a stem cell transplant for? Or maybe a person who, like that young mother in Kalamazoo, who shielded her child and several other children and took the bullets from the Uber driver who went on to kill six more people. Is there a person that you would take a bullet for? Is there a person like that that you love so much? Maybe it's a, a child or a parent or a sibling or, or maybe it's a friend. Well, the Apostle Paul thought about that very thing when he said in Romans 5, verses 7 and 8, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And the verse right before that, the preceding verse says, Christ died for the ungodly. We are the ungodly. We are the sinners. Why did Christ do it? Why did Christ die for the ungodly? Well, I want to suggest this evening that there are two reasons. And the first reason why Christ died for the ungodly is he had to. He had to. It wasn't enough that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary that he was born without sin and that he was fully human and fully divine. It wasn't enough that he lived his entire life holy and righteous without ever committing a single sin and that he was the greatest moral teacher of all time. That wasn't enough for him to save us from our sin. He had to die. In the beginning, God told Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 2, you must not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. And the Apostle Paul said, the wages of sin is death. And so if Jesus was going to save us from our sin, the only way he could do it was to suffer the penalty of sin. He had to die. And Jesus knew that. He understood that when he said to his disciples in Luke 9, verse 22, he said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and he must be killed. Well, Jesus was the fulfillment of all those Old Testament sacrifices. The Old Testament lambs had to be slain. And so too, the Lamb of God had to be slain. Hebrews 10 tells us that all those Old Testament sacrifices 
had to be repeated over and over again endlessly, year after year, as an annual reminder of sin. But Hebrews 10 tells us that the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin. And when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then his sacrifice was once for all the atonement for our sin. Once for all, he takes away all our sin. So that's the first reason why Jesus died for the ungodly. He had to in order to pay the penalty for our sin. Well, the second reason is in my scripture this evening. He did it because he loved us. 1 John 3 verse 16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Well, during Lent, we've been looking at this theme by his wounds. And you can see on the banners where we've been. By his wounds, we are healed. We are redeemed. We are united. We are saved. We are sent. And this evening, we're looking at the last one. We are loved. The answer to the question why Jesus died for us is because he loved us. Well, Jesus' wounds were many. Jesus was wounded when they arrested him and they beat him. Jesus was wounded when they pressed that crown of thorns into his head so that the blood would have run down his face. And he was wounded when Pontius Pilate tried to set him free. Three times Pilate tried to set him free. First he sent him to Herod, thinking Herod would let him go. But Herod sent him back. And the third time was when he gave the people a choice between Jesus and Barabbas, but they called for Barabbas to be set free. But it was that second time when Pilate tried to set Jesus free and he had him scourged. And those lashes were made out of heavy weights and sharp hooks, and they would uh, cut and tear the flesh. It was a horrific suffering when Jesus was scourged. Horrific. And Pilate brought him out before the people, and the blood was running down his face from the crown of thorns on his head, and his, his back was, we would probably say, was like hamburger from the scourging. And Pilate thought, surely the people would say, that's enough. That suffering is enough. By his wounds, he ought to be let go. But no, they wanted him to be crucified. And death by crucifixion was so agonizing that it was against the law for a Roman citizen to be put to death by crucifixion. So on this Monday, Thursday, we think of the greatness of Jesus' wounds, the greatness of his suffering, and we think of the greatness of his love. By his wounds, we are loved. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. He laid down his life. His life was not taken from him. He willingly, voluntarily, knowingly gave his life. He knew what the wounds would be. When he said in John 9, verse, Luke 2, verse 9, verse 22, he knew what was coming. He knew the Son of Man would have to suffer and would be killed. He could have avoided it. He could have stayed away from Jerusalem. His disciples warned him that he would be in great danger if he went to Jerusalem. 
He could have easily escaped into the night before Judas and the soldiers came to arrest him. But instead of avoiding his suffering and his death, he precipitated it by his triumphal entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday morning. He actually provoked the religious leaders to put Jesus to death at a time they didn't want to. They didn't want to do it when Jerusalem was full of people who had come for the Passover. But it was God's time. It was God's time. In Romans 5, verse 6, it says, At just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. When all the lambs were being slain for the Passover, the Lamb of God was slain in God's time. So this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Where the us? Well, the us are sinners like us. Uh, the us are uh, enemies, as the Apostle Paul says in Romans uh, 5 verse 10. The us are uh, people who are guilty and who are undeserving. Powerless, Paul says, powerless to save ourselves. But there's more. The us are those who repent of their sin and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Christ died for those who repent and for those who believe in him. Christ didn't die for people who go to hell. If people are in hell, Christ didn't die for them. Because no one in hell is going to say, Christ died for me. His blood was sufficient for all our sin. There's not one sin that we have ever committed or that we ever will commit that was not paid for in full by Jesus Christ on the cross. But there's something else. The us are people who live a life of gratitude to the glory of God. In the, the words of 1 John 3, verse 16, it goes on to say, they lay down their lives for their brothers. Like Jesus said in Matthew 25, they feed the hungry. They give drink to the thirsty. They clothe the naked. They visit the prisoners. And they do it all as unto the Lord who laid down his life for them. We love because Jesus loved us first. And we love not with word or tongue, but with action and truth. Well, you see the love of Jesus in the big thing, his suffering and death on the cross, but you see the love of Jesus in some little things too. You see the love of Jesus in the way in which he dealt with Judas on that, uh, that Thursday evening when they celebrated the Passover and instituted the Lord's Supper. You see the love of Jesus and the way he, uh, he put the ear back on Malchus, the high priest's servant, after Peter had cut it off. You see, the love of Jesus, when he was hanging on the cross and he prayed for the very people, he prayed for forgiveness for the very people who had nailed him to the cross. You see the love of Jesus in so many ways. Well, Smeeds talked about his mother's love that was caring and consistent. Jesus' love is caring and consistent. He loves you and he cares for you. No matter what you go through, the thick and the thin, the, the sicknesses and the sorrows, and he's always there. He loves us consistently. He's always there with his love. 
And he loves us not just for time, but for eternity. He loves us with an everlasting love. Psalm 103, verse 17 says, But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. Not even death can separate us from the everlasting love of God. 1 John 3, verse 1 says, How great is the love of the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. He takes us, sinners that we are, and makes us to be children of God so that we can love him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength and our neighbor as ourselves. Let's call on God's name in prayer. <clears throat> Loving Heavenly Father, in your love, you sent your one and only Son that whosoever believes in him might not perish, but have everlasting life. And loving Lord Jesus, in your great love, you laid down your life for us. You suffered the wounds and finally endured the agony of the cross to pay the debt of our sin. You have given us this sacrament as a reminder of your suffering and love. And loving Holy Spirit, draw us to your wonder Set your sign upon us, and so fill our hearts and lives that we will live a life of gratitude in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As the table is being prepared, I'd like to invite the elders to come forward.